Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly uh, joining you. And today our focus is going to be on learning additional languages. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we decided to learn those languages, what the paths we followed, what, what sort of education steps. Uh, so should be an interesting podcast. Um, I speak Italian. Uh, my background is in Italian. I was uh, born in uh, sort of a limited English uh, proficiency household. Uh, my mom was born in, um, uh, in Italy um, and was a housewife. And all her friends were Italian, so her English skills were super limited. Uh, my dad was uh, out in the public. Um, you know, he was working and had jobs with uh, people of all different backgrounds. So he, of course, learned. Um, so it's kind of my path. But, uh, you know, let's jump in. Uh, Patrick's background is in Spanish. So, Patrick, how did you originally learn to speak Spanish? Uh, so I learned to speak Spanish through the traditional education system uh, here in the U.S. I started uh, in sixth grade, um, we had a class that was called foreign language survey. And basically I think you took about four weeks of Spanish and then four weeks of French. Uh, and then you decided which one of those two paths you wanted to follow. If you did want to stay in the foreign language path, uh, you didn't have to, it wasn't required in our middle school. Um, so I took that class. Um, I preferred Spanish. So I went down that route. Um, so then over the course of seventh and eighth grade um, in middle school, that was basically combined year one of Spanish in high school. So I was taking high school Spanish uh, in grade school and middle school um, to kind of test out of that by the time I went to high school. Um, so then by the time high school started, I was basically a year ahead. Um, and then I went through kind of the honors and AP track in high school. Um, so I took the AP test in Spanish, um, which was, um, that's from the college board, I believe. And they basically test your skills to make sure that you can speak Spanish at a certain level. Um, there's a speaking component, there's a writing component. Um, and then there's like multiple choice test component, um, to make sure you could comprehend everything. Uh, and then I went into college uh, with, uh, the intent to get Spanish as a minor, uh, but I did pivot on that. I did not really like my original major, so I decided to make Spanish my major since I already had such a foundation in it. Um, and then I did have the opportunity to study abroad as well in Granada in Spain, uh, which was probably how I would recommend if you're learning a foreign language, that's the easiest way is to be boots on the ground, go to that location and basically you pick it up as you go. Um, so I did have that educational background, but then studying abroad is what I think really pushed me over the edge to kind of get to the point of being fluent. Uh, so then Peter, I have the same question for you. Um, how did you originally learn to speak Italian? Um, you know, as I mentioned, I was born in an Italian-speaking household. So as kids, we, you know, we grew up speaking Italian. And of course, we had our, our friends that were, you know, Americans. So we learned how to speak English as well. But um, at home, we definitely spoke Italian. So that's where it started for me. Um, and my father was a, uh, um, a DJ. That was kind of one of his side gigs. Uh, so he would take me to the the radio show sometimes and you started to get interested, obviously, in the the culture and the music and 
Um, my dad used to take us to Italian films. I mean, obviously this was before the days of, you know, having cable and, and uh, activating Rye uh, as an optional channel. I mean, now you can just tune in on TV, right? Through either through streaming on MHZ or the various, um, you know, networks that are out there. So, um, you know, for me, it was more of a cultural journey. I couldn't study in high school. So in high school, I studied German and I studied Spanish. Uh, but then when I when I um, went to college, I was able to study Italian. So that was great. So I actually have a minor in Italian. I like to call that my GPA booster. <laughs> um, since obviously I was uh, a little, little further ahead than you know someone who came from no background. Certainly my grammar needed sharpening up. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 you, you would call it my, my word usage had to be sharpened up. Uh, we spoke dialect at home and real Italian. So, you know, I tended to lean on the dialect, which was more comfortable. And of course, as a child, we went to Italy a ton. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, my dad didn't let me, didn't let us play little league baseball because we'd spend our summers in Italy uh, so, you know, our, our language skills were pretty strong. Um, you know, by the time we got to high school, uh, my brother and I both were, were quite strong in Italian and, uh, enjoyed studying, studied Italian literature as well, uh, in college. And, um, my background is in business and then the language as my minor. Uh, and then of course, after, uh, college took a job as a, an Italian project manager at a medical device manufacturer. So ended up parlaying that into a career. Uh, and then of course, you know, 26, almost 27 years ago now, uh, founded Argo Translation. So it's nice that I was able to use my culture and my language to, uh, create a career and, and basically help a ton of people, uh, you know, connect with, uh, with, uh, that's really it. I mean, if you think of language, it's connection, which I, I love about that. I mean, my earliest experience was, uh, being in a bank as a junior in high school. And there was an older Italian gentleman who I didn't know, apparently my parents knew him, but I had never met him and he was struggling with language. And that was my first stint as an interpreter, uh, which was great. I helped him to, uh, to withdraw some money from the bank. And he was very kind and asked my name. Oh, I know your parents. And it was just really uh, a nice thing. And, Having that ability to help people has always been the thing that's driven me. And you, you got a cut of the withdrawal too, right? You know, I think he was actually a very frugal older man. So I got nothing other than a heartfelt thank you, uh, which was okay. He was a cute old man. So um, and speaking of which, obviously I have an affinity for, for Italian because I grew up in an Italian household. Patrick, for you, um, what do you like about Spanish as a language? Yeah, I would say, um, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, is that kind of, um, I view language as culture as well. And I think experiencing and learning that other culture that you're not familiar with, that isn't your first culture, um, is just extremely valuable for whatever line of work you go into, or just, it's good life experience to experience another culture. So I think learning language through culture um, is going to be very valuable when you do learn another language. Um, so I think that experience I mentioned of studying abroad, um, it kind of takes you out of your comfortable academic setting that you're in learning. It's kind of low risk there. You don't really have to put yourself out there so much to prove that you know the language. But when you're trapped in a country where their first language is your second language, you learn very quickly and you adapt and you kind of 
gain that confidence as well when you learn that language um, that you know you're doing it right because you're living you're thriving in that country where you're not speaking your first language so I think if you have the opportunity to go to a place where you can only speak that language where English isn't an option in my case I think that's going to be that was one thing I really enjoyed about <clears throat> about how I picked up Spanish um, so then I guess I have the same question for you is what What's your favorite part about Italian? Well, um, you know, there's a there's a few things. I, I think Italian is a beautiful language. Um, and no offense to my my German translator friends, but you know, having studied German, you know, it's it's a harsher sounding language, right? So I think Italian is uh, it sounds beautiful. Um, everything is written or spelled as it's pronounced, which I really like a lot. Uh, makes you know, spelling quite easy, easy. And also in terms of, I think so much of Italian culture, you know, the aspect of culture, you, know, you talk about beautiful art, uh, wonderful food. Uh, I think that somehow is expressed in the language. Uh, I, I think that that's an important part of the Italian language. Um, you know, and, and one of the funny story is that, uh, my father, when he first came to this country, was doing, you know, night school for um, um, night school for learning how to speak English. And this was before they had terms like ELL or ESL. So he, he was going. And uh, oddly enough, his teacher later became my history teacher in high school. And uh, he had a good laugh because he shared the same story that my father shared. Uh, when he first came here, he was learning how to spell laugh, which is probably one of the dumbest words in our language in terms of spelling. And my dad just couldn't understand. He said, you know, if it's spelled L-A-U-G-H, why isn't it Laug? <laughs> and, you know, he just, he just couldn't get over it. And I, I think that's like a really important difference between English and Italian in terms of there's no, there's no trickery in terms of spelling. So uh, L-A-F-F would have been my father's uh, pre preferred spelling, I think. So um, Patrick, building on that a little bit, how is Spanish different from English? Mm -hmm. uh, I would first say that I think Spanish and Italian are relatively similar. Obviously, they're different languages, but they both live in the, the Romance language tree. So there are a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, one of them that you mentioned already is that uh, both Spanish and Italian are largely phonetic. Um, everything is spelled how it sounds. Uh, so there aren't too many um, silent letters in Spanish or things that don't sound like how they would normally sound. Um, but also another thing too, is, um, there every, basically every word has a number and a gender, which is not the same as English. Um, so their words are masculine or feminine, and that determines what articles you have to use. Um, so it's a little bit different from English in that, um, in that regard. Um, and then obviously subject verb agreement comes into play with number and gender as well. Um, so I think those are some of the basic differences. Um, so, I mean, do you have any other examples for Italian of how that's different from English? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely to build off of that, you know, we talked a little bit about the spelling and the fact that they're phonetic languages. Um, but, you know, I, I, I often think of as well um, the idea of the passato remoto, which is the remote past. It's something that we don't have in English. And as someone who studied uh, Italian in college, that was probably the most perplexing 
you know, part of it, you know, not having an understanding. Because that's not something, you know, when you're learning conversational, a language conversationally at home, it's not like my mom or my dad sat down and said, well, today we're going to learn the Passato Remoto, which that doesn't happen. So in college, I, I thought that that was the most challenging. And exactly like you say, the conjugation of those verbs and then for the Passato Remoto was very uh, difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm still great friends with uh, um, one of my Italian professors, Larry Baldassaro, and we've had conversations about the Passato Remoto and how difficult it is and how students tend to uh, to trip up there. And um, I still think that my biggest, best reference was the 201 Italian verbs and the full conjugation. It was like my Bible. I was in that thing all the time. Yeah, with verb conjugation especially, um, there's so many tenses that I when you try and think when you're learning Spanish, you try, you're thinking in English basically the whole time. Cause that's, at least I was, cause that's my native language, but you're trying to think, you know, what does this mean in English? And I think it's difficult to see in English. We combine a lot of things in Spanish into one verb tense or one conjugation. Whereas in Spanish, it could have five different conjugations depending on when you're using it. So when you're trying to make that one-to-one comparison, that might not always be possible. It might be a one-to-five, and you kind of have to use context to come up with the meaning. Um, so I, I found that as well, that I've always found the grammar classes most interesting because I was trying to equate them to something else, and it didn't necessarily have that that one-to-one equivalent. So do you think Spanish is a difficult language to learn? Um. I would say yes and no. Um, There are certain things, like I said, that you kind of need to get over, like that verb tense uh, and all those conjugations that we're talking about. Um, Those aren't going anywhere. Um, For example, like as, as I was learning English, which is obviously my native language, I was never ever taught what the subjunctive is. And I probably still couldn't tell you to this day. Well, I can't now because obviously I learned Spanish and know what the subjunctive tense is. But there are things that like you said, the the remote past in Italian that you might not even think about until someone like a grammarian or a grammar teacher comes to you and says, hey, look at this. This is you know how it's grammatically correct. Um, so there are certain things like that. But then again, there's also a lot of cognates that are words that um, sound and look exactly the same in English as they do in Spanish. Um, but then to add on to that, there's also false cognates where it looks like a word... Um, in English, and then it means something completely different in Spanish. Uh, the best example I have of a good false cognate is uh, embarrassada, which you would think means embarrassed, but it means pregnant. Um, so there's things like that that you know you kind of need to learn all the ins and outs. Um, and then I'd also say another difficult area of Spanish is, um, we'll touch on this a little bit later too, is kind of idioms or phrases that really don't have a translation. They're just kind of a specific to that language or region or culture, whatever it might be. Um, so those are things that, you know, while you literally may know Spanish, it might not make sense when you hear it. You might try and you might be a little puzzled and think, you know, what does that mean? Um, so then I, get, I have the same question for you. Do you think that Italian is hard to learn? You know, I think there's different levels, right? And I, it touches a little bit on your answer is that, um, to learn Italian at a university level is certainly tough. You know, to be completely fluent uh, is tough because, you know, you think of it even when we think of our education in English, right? We 
it starts it starts in kindergarten and builds all the way through your senior year in high school. And now as an adult learner, you're asking yourself, okay, I need to compress this in a few years to get all of that knowledge. And of course, we all have day jobs. We all have different things we're doing. So I think as an adult learner to get pure native proficiency is tough. However, I think because of the fact that it is a phonetic language and because there are resources out there, I mean, you can see Benini films, you can see, you know, Montalbano on MHZ, you know, you can see these different things and you can sort of immerse yourself because I, I think that is key. You brought up the, the idea of immersion. I think immersion is incredibly important. For me, it was growing up in an Italian household. But how do you replicate that? Well, by watching TV, uh, you know, streaming Italian TV, streaming Italian movies, you know, that obviously helps. Um, going online, reading Italian news, that helps. The fact that there's resources out there, you know, created by uh, uh, our old our old colleague Patrick Mosley and his company, where he works, Jive World, um, you know, and Duolingo and those types of resources, it's easier. Now, I think it would be tough if it was a different language, you know, perhaps learning an Asian language with a completely different character set, harder. Italian, at least it's phonetic, got the same character set, there's plenty of resources out there. So I think to learn it, to, to learn the language so you can travel effectively through Italy or have a conversation and find a hotel room and a restaurant, I think it's it's not not necessarily all that difficult to to grab native proficiency. Yes, I think that it can be very difficult. Yeah, one of my favorite parts you just dragged a good memory of me from my study abroad program was um, was watching TV um, in Spanish, and I watch a lot of TV and consume a lot of media as is at home now. Uh, but I would watch um, The Simpsons, Family Guy. Um, all these things where I already knew what was happening because I've seen them before in English. But then when you see it in Spanish, you know what's happening, but it makes you think a little bit harder. It makes you, you know, think about it in Spanish. Um, another one I did like watching was um, a game show that was in Spain. That was super interesting to me. I'd never seen it before. And then it was on every day at lunch. So I would watch it. I kind of learned the rules, learned how about how it went. And I knew the trivia questions because they were kind of common knowledge questions. So that was that made me feel good, but it was in Spanish. It was very similar to Jeopardy, which is a show I watch here as well. So it kind of making those connections really does kind of ingrain certain things in you. Definitely an important point. You know, if you can find some sort of media or movie or genre of something that you really like, I think that, you know, and then immerse yourself, you know, turn it on in that language, uh, then obviously that would be, you know, really helpful. Um, do you have favorite phrases in Spanish that don't really translate well into English? Yeah, there were a couple. Um, this was actually an exercise we did, um, I think it was in seventh or eighth grade Spanish. I can't remember. Uh, but we would basically pick a phrase every week um, and we would have to illustrate it because they wouldn't have such um, kind of that one-to-one -one translation. Um, so one of the ones I remember from that was comiendo moscas, which... Um, if it's literally translated means um, eating flies, uh, which really doesn't mean anything to an English speaker. Uh, but what it does mean is kind of someone who talks and then goes off topic or goes onto tangents and kind of loses, uh, loses the original thought that they were talking about. Um, another one I can think of is corto de luces, which kind of means, um, 
cut off from lights basically. Um, and that, that doesn't have an exact translation, but, um, the way I think of it is kind of the lights are on, but no one's home. So it's kind of, you're physically there, but you're not mentally there. So you're not really engaged. You're paying attention to that. Um, and again, it doesn't have that, you know, three word translation for corto de luces, but when you explain it, you know what it means. So those types of phrases are always super interesting to me. Um, so do you have any examples of those for Italian? Um, yes. And, you know, it kind of made me think of a little bit of the false cognates as well. We have a bunch of those in Italian and a common one is fattoria, which if you think of fattoria, it's like, oh, that sounds like factory, which it's not at all. So fattoria is actually a farm. And a factory is fabrica. So it's, um, you know, it's interesting that uh, sometimes having a little bit of knowledge in another language is an impediment. Uh, and with idioms, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, but this is a family show. So I'm going to stick with the ones that uh, uh, wouldn't get us an explicit rating, I guess. And one of them is um, how to say good luck to someone. So in Italian, you say in bocca lupo. Uh, it's sort of the, well, it literally means in the mouth of the, of the wolf and as good luck will have it, you're supposed to respond with crepa il lupo, which means I hope the wolf, uh, I hope his innards explode, right? It's like the weirdest thing of all time. Uh, it's not, you can't really translate it, but it's similar to break a leg, right? Like break a leg, like what, you know, that's supposed to be good luck in our language for someone who's going to perform it's a very crazy thing to say and who knows where it came from. I never did find that one out, but that's one that um, I really thought uh, was, was very interesting. Um, we could do a whole nother show on cursing and I think we should, <laughs> I think we should do that one. And that would be really fun because there are some really fun ways to curse people out that mean absolutely nothing. That's about. translation confidential after dark, right? Yes, correct. And I think we, that may have to be our next show. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, that's, that's really um, my favorite one in Italian. There are, you know, some others, uh, but I think that's probably the oddest of them. Patrick, as I tend to do and like to do every time we um, broadcast, what would be your big takeaway? So we're talking about language learning, covered Spanish, we covered Italian. What would be your biggest takeaway from today's yeah. show? I would say that there are a lot of different routes um, in language learning. You can go the traditional um, education route like I did. Um, you were fortunate enough to be raised in an Italian household. That's another one, uh, another way. Um, there's a lot of media and apps and other sorts of ways that you can go to kind of pick up a language. Um, but I think, I'll say it again, I think the, the best way to gain your confidence, number one, and number two, to get that full immersion is to... Um, if you have the opportunity to go to a place that that language is the only spoken language. So you really have to force yourself to learn. You kind of have to leave your comfort zone um, to learn that language, to learn the culture. Uh, so I think if you have that opportunity to go to a different country and learn the language that way, that is going to be the fastest way to do so. Um, and the most efficient way as well, because you literally have no other options. You just have to learn it. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's similar to my takeaway that you know the the opportunities are out there. Obviously, the best way to learn a language is immersion for sure. If you could take a month long vacation and you know surround yourself with the culture uh, or do a study abroad program, you know my brother did that. 
Um, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, that was really good for his language skills, obviously great for yours, Patrick, and most of our project managers have done similar stints. Um, but I'm also really impressed with, you know, where we are today versus where I was when I was in university in terms of the resources or options that are out there. Uh, you know, we used to have to go to the language lab to try to get some exposure. There was uh, newscasts that they made available, different things, different media that we could find there. Now, gosh, you, you and no, I'm not 100 years old, uh, um, but yes, the Internet didn't quite exist back then. So so be quiet, Patrick. Um but now with the advent of the internet, you can go read uh, an Italian newspaper, no problem. You know, you can subscribe to something like MHZ and you can actually see mysteries and movies in a ton of different languages. And it's inexpensive. You can sign up for Duolingo. Uh, you know, Rosetta Stone has all of their stuff. Uh, the application from Jive World. You know, those are things that are out there and can be consumed by pretty much anyone. So if you want to learn a language, the resources are out there. I think you just have to know, you know, how to find them or where to find them. So uh, I, 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 that does strike me as much easier, I think, to learn a language today than, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Yeah, I'd say languages are a lot more accessible now to just, you know, common everyday people. You don't have to be in that university setting anymore. You can, you know, download an app and it's easy as that to get you at least started with it. Great. And with that, we will sign off uh, for this episode of Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly. Until next time.